the opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. I'm your host, Gary Punnick, and we haven't seen FSU men's or women's basketball play literally since last year. And the College Football National Championship is tonight. The NFL playoffs were everything we hoped for and more. And the NBA has COVID issues. We got a lot to get to tonight, but we'll get to it all as we move through the show. As always, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Austin Reynolds. As a fellow member of the NL East fan base, uh, how are you feeling about the Mets getting Francisco Lindor from from Cleveland? Not too happy, honestly. Um, Obviously, this guy is a four-time All-Star. He's won a couple gold gloves and silver sluggers. He's... I believe he's finished top 15 or so in MVP voting for most of his career. So that's obviously not the kind of caliber of guy that I would want to see go to a division rival. But, I mean, Steve Cohen is already making moves with the Mets. I'm sure Mets fans are more than happy to see that. Uh, Hopefully for them, it's a sign of things to come. Hopefully for me, that's just a flash in the pan. But it's it's good to have some competition in the NL East, I'll say that. Well, the hope is that the Mets will still be the Mets yes, that we yes. all know and love. They'll have these lofty expectations heading into spring training, and then they get a few weeks into the season after being the hottest team in baseball for about a month, and then they'll come crashing down to earth. So let's hope on that. And we got, and yeah, that'll be a long way from now. We got a few more months till baseball season gets underway. But we also have Sebastian Angel Riano live on air in the fish tank. Uh, you're... Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are moving on. They did it. You didn't want to give a prediction on the podcast last week, but they won. They are heading into NOLA once again. This will be the third time this year that they play the Saints. How are you feeling about this matchup? Um, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm always going to be nervous. Uh, going into NOLA is a very, very difficult place to play. Uh, crowd or no crowd, the Saints always, always, always come to play. I can't say... Anything bad about their, uh, you know, intensity of play. Uh, but, you know, um, there is this little glimmer of optimism. There's something that's always said in football. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one year. So maybe this is the one. Maybe it's not. Who knows? At the end of the day, uh, the Bucks won a playoff game this past Saturday, this past weekend. And that's something that I haven't been able to say since I was four. So I will take that. Yeah, baby steps right now. Literally for you, baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> But we got a lot to get to this show. Let's start off right off the top with some FSU men's and women's basketball because, like I said before, we haven't seen them play in literally a year, or literally since last year, and that year was 2020. It is now 2021, and both of these teams have not touched the court in a real ACC or NCAA game. The men's team, let's start with them. They are 5-2 and two still. They're 1-1 one one over or in the ACC. That is good enough for 11th. And this afternoon, we found out that they fell out of both the AP and the coaches poll. So they are they're just sitting idle at this point. That's understandable that they fall out of that ranking because there are teams that are winning games and maybe beating some opponents that just happen to look better than a a number 25 FSU who has lost their previous or has lost two out of their last three to Clemson and UCF. But how, Austin, how are you feeling about this break that they're getting in, looking into their game on Wednesday night against NC State? It's kind of concerning. I mean, I saw something earlier that uh, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton does expect to be able to play the game on Wednesday against NC State, so that's encouraging. But just the uncertainty of 
no, not knowing how it's going to affect players. I mean, we talked about it on the, on the podcast pretty much ad nauseum, uh, not knowing if guys are going to come back stronger, have lingering uh, issues throughout the rest of the season. We have no clue. So just the uncertainty there is really scary, especially considering some of the expectations that were put on this team at the start. We expected them to be at least contend for top four in the ACC. Uh, we thought that Scotty Barnes would lead the team to great heights. And, I mean, dropping really embarrassing games to UCF and uh, the Clemson as well. Uh, that's not been the best note to kind of go out on prior to this COVID absence. So we have no idea if they're going to be able to rebound nicely or if it's going to be more of the same once they do resume play. Yeah, and this game coming into NC State is almost going to be you can't really predict this game. You can't even predict what this team will look like because some guys, they might be a little bit uh, lackadaisical. Some guys, they might be amped up, but it's really going to be a coin toss as to what Florida State team we're going to see come Wednesday night. And it's going, it's it's really going to be interesting to see because maybe some for some guys like Scotty Barnes, and we'll talk a little bit about more about him as we move through because Scotty Barnes did not look good against Clemson. Flat out did not look good. He was in foul trouble early on, only played 22 minutes, but somehow, but still totaled 14 points, which is the most this team saw that night from one individual player. So he is still going to be that person that they're going to have to look to to step up and be the guy now. Because I know we said MJ or Polite or one of the other guys might have to be the guy. It's really starting to look like Barnes has to be the guy in order for this team to win. And if he puts himself in those foul posi- or foul trouble early on, this team will really suffer. Yeah, it's tough there. Like, I was going to bring up Anthony Polite. Like, he's really reinvented his game. He's been a lot bigger contributor so far this season than in years past. But if it is going to be Scotty Barnes, who's in foul trouble, still leading the team in points despite only playing half the game, I mean, it's, it's dire straits, especially when you factor in, like, we have no idea who is even uh, dealing with COVID issues. If he's one of them, then... That just puts an even bigger wrench in FSU's plans to come out strong against NC State and for the rest of the conference schedule. So, I mean, it, there, there's really, like you said, no way to predict this. So it'll be interesting to watch Wednesday night and see exactly how everything unfolds. Yeah, and Scotty Barnes, we mentioned him. He's on the he's on the midseason or he's on the preseason uh, Wooden Award watch lists. Is there any chance that Barnes has a shot at winning this one? I think so, yeah, because there are guys on the on the on the awards list. I looked at it uh, earlier today uh, that are putting up pretty similar stats to him. Uh, he's not far and away the the worst or the the least performing candidate on that list, and he has plenty of time, assuming he stays healthy, assuming this season goes on. Uh, he has plenty of time to sort of come into his own, get used to this Leonard Hamilton FSU basketball system that he's been in for seven games so far, uh, and who's to say how far he can uh, really improve his game and. Improve his, improve his draft stock, really. I think the one person that, where you're, if you really will have to pinpoint one guy that has, I'd say maybe the clear out, the front runner right now, Luca Garza from Iowa. I mean, yeah. the kid's been very good all season long, and Iowa's been a solid ball club right now. So he's going to be my guy right now that if I had to pick one guy to win this, it would probably be Luca Garza. I mean, this season he's averaging 27.6 points a game, yeah. 8.6 rebounds, and he's shooting over 60, uh, 62% from field goal range. So... That's those are just solid numbers in general, and his team is also playing some really good basketball as a whole. They did finish out with the, they, I think their only loss out of their last five games was uh, against Minnesota on Christmas. So they're playing really solid ball, and he's going to be the guy to look forward to as this season kind of rolls along. But is there any other? I mean, there's no 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 point even predict trying to predict this game against no. NC State. We're not going to do that this time around. Maybe once we start to see 
how this team plays this week and weekend. We'll maybe have some more predictions and a bit, little bit, little bit better analysis. But like we said, it's it's so tough to prognosticate on how this team will look because no one's seen them play. I mean, like this is really just shoot, like just throwing a dart against the board and sp- uh, after spinning around ten times in a circle. <laughs> so yeah. that that's a that's a pretty tough ask, honestly. So I mean, it's it's a lot of the same issues that have been plaguing sports really since July when sports started coming back. You're seeing it now with the NBA, which we're going to get into later, having to cancel games left and right, teams being reduced to the minimum amount of players that they can play with. Uh, so th- college basketball is no different. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to continue to be a mess every league right now. I mean, maybe the MLB looks a bit better coming into their season, but still, it's it's tough to stop this thing, and it's just going to happen at this point if you decide to keep playing. And some schools have decided to opt out, like the Duke women's team, and the FAMU women's team as well. They both uh, both have affected FSU women's basketball, who we'll talk about right now, because they also, just like the men's team, <laughs> have had a lot of games canceled. And yeah. so it just keeps snowballing for both these clubs. And they haven't played a game since New Year's Eve. And it's, what do you expect them to do here? Because they play Miami on Thursday. And just like we said for the men's, how are you going to predict this team? Like, I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just really bad situations for both of them. Yeah, I mean, you said, what do you expect them to do? I have no clue. I mean, exactly. I, I, I honestly don't know how we're supposed to put put together an FSU part of this show because traditionally, first 30 minutes are FSU athletics and maybe some greater college landscape sprinkled in here. Tonight, we're really hard-pressed for content because the two, probably the two biggest uh, names in Florida State athletics right now that are still playing are not playing. <laughs> so, I mean, just looking at the bigger contributors on the season so far, Courtney Weber, Morgan Jones, we have no idea if they're going to be able to lead the way much in the same way that mj walker anthony polite scotty barnes we, we think that they would be the guys coming back from this long hiatus for the men's we have no idea what to expect with women so i mean like i said for nc state there's really nothing more to say than just it'll be interesting to finally see these teams play for the first time in over two weeks yeah and you, like you said we're struggling to find fsu content it really does feel like an uphill climb for this first half of the show because we struggle to usually get everything FSU into this first half. Like we, it feels awful that we sometimes do it, but sometimes some teams get that short end of the stick, and like they maybe they just get a five minute blurb at the end. But right. it, I mean, man, it's tough. That's that's a, that's a good problem to have. I'd rather have that problem than this problem. Yeah, I guess because we could at least bleed something over into the second half. But man, we got there's nothing to say really because no. this team, they're just not playing. We don't see anything. They're not really talking because they're all sick and they're all waiting to find out if they are positive or not. And it really is an awful situation. And we're hoping that everyone on these teams are all right and we don't see anything like uh, the Keontae Johnson, which may or may not still, I think the jury is still out on that on if it was COVID related because obviously he did have COVID in the summer and uh, and then we saw what, he, what happened to him in Tallahassee in December. So I just hope everyone's doing all right. Everyone's happy and healthy going into this week because it's it's going to be a it's going to be another restart. It's pretty much going to be opening day part two for these for these guys and girls because it's it's tough. It really is. So yeah, I I hadn't thought about it in that way as you're saying opening day part two, but that's pretty much exactly what it is because all you've been able to do is practice, if that, uh, assuming uh, these guys and girls have been able to be around other people for the past few days. So. Really disjointed practices, really uh, light-handed practices. We have no idea what's going on behind closed doors right now. So it's going to take a lot of getting used to, I do believe, just to get back in the, the rhythm of game time. 
Yeah, and we do have actually. There's a little bit more FSU stuff that I, I we didn't write down on the sheet. FSU did have a few. Uh, FSU football did have a few transfers come in this weekend, and that was some pretty big news for this team because they did get a running back. Uh, what's his name? Uh, DJ Williams from the University of Auburn. It's looking like he's going to be making his way down south to Tallahassee. He's going to be immediately eligible. He did. He didn't. I think he had close to about 600 yards or so this season for the Tigers. Not too much. He didn't really get a lot of playing time for them, but an SEC talent nonetheless. And along with that, another two SEC players coming in. Uh, is it Jamie or Jammy? Two J A M M I E. I've heard both. I I think it's Jamie though. I think that it's just the same sound as the one M. Okay, sounds good to me because Jamie Robinson from University of South Carolina. He's a defensive back. He's a safety to be exact. He's going to be coming down here along with teammate Kier Thompson, defensive lineman, will also be uh, putting pen to paper and transferring down to Florida State. So are, we talked a lot more about these rec- these transfers and recruits from this most recent recruiting cycle in the, in the winter. How do you think these guys are going to really impact this program, these, these couple that we just uh, saw come in this weekend? I mean, the defensive back group for FSU has always been not the biggest problem, but a problem. It's really just been... Uh, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. and a bunch of dudes is how I refer to them. So with Asante Samuel leaving for the draft, there's obviously some rebuilding that needs to be done in that unit. So props to Mike Norvell and the the coaching staff for finding a guy there. Obviously, the jury's still out on if he's going to be a contributor on this team, but just getting guys in the room that have the potential to start games, uh, bring some experience, is a good thing. And this ditto really for the running back position. Uh, I forget the the guy's name you mentioned. I'm pulling it up, trying to pull up the transfer list here. DJ Williams. DJ Williams, yeah. So like 600 yards, that's nothing really like astronomical. It's not a huge get for FSU, but keeping in mind that LaDamian Webb is transferring from FSU to Troy, that's one of the the three running backs that we mentioned in FSU's three-headed monster that never really panned out. But he has the potential to replace LaDamian Webb in that rotation there and get some significant playing time. So I'll be, I, I would say some really good gets. It's really good that this team was able to get that depth there in that running back room because it's tough when you have one or two running backs because we saw that for the past few years when it's just either Dalvin Cook or Cam Akers. Yep. And when those guys go down, or like because uh, Dalvin Cook was injury-prone with that hamstring for a while, when he went down, it's like, okay, well, we got something. Somebody's got to step up here. We get, we need something because he's been it for a while, and we need something now. So, really continuing to uh, keep that running back room stocked is a good idea for this team because running backs they do take a beating year on or day in and day out. So, that's a big pickup there. But I also did like that they were able to pick up another uh, defensive back uh, safety to be exact with J- uh, Jamie from South Carolina because they they're going to lose 3 right now it looks like just 3 on the transfer portal and that is Jaden Lars Woodby, Cyrus Fagan and Raymond Woody the third all three will be getting out of town so you got to fill in that hole there so as of right now it's still a net negative one loss yeah. so not great but still making that way back up in that respect so this recruiting class is starting to uh, kind of take a bit more shape they're 30th in the nation right now according to 24/7 sports but that really doesn't that doesn't include any of these transfers. So, in reality, this might this team might look a bit better than what really is being shown just recruiting class wise, because that is just the guys who are graduating high school in the class of 2021. So, any last words on the guys they brought in this week? I'm just going to echo what you said. This recruiting class could look a lot better than 30th because FSU fans obviously 
are not conditioned to having the 30th best recruiting class in the nation. These past few years slipping down from the teens to the 20s, now 30th right now. Obviously a little harrowing for the state of this program, but I mean, just taking into account like the the acquisition of Mackenzie Milton, some of the other transfers that we mentioned just now and on past shows, it's it's encouraging to know that we are not in purgatory, I would say, uh, that we're just not being able to attract, or that FSU is not able to attract uh, top-tier guys, uh, big names out of, coming out of high school or JUCO or elsewhere. Uh, and maybe this could be the start of a, a little snowball effect for FSU, kind of getting back into the the higher ranks of FSU fo- or of college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're going to have to keep watching and waiting on that one. But speaking of those top-ranked teams in college football, the college football, na- the national title game tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN. We're happy that you tuned into the best uh, <laughs> pregame show out there because there are a lot of other choices, but, hey, this is the one you chose, so... Happy to have you here. So, number one, Ohio, number one, Alabama against number three, or what some people might call them, the number eleven, <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes. That will be the matchup in Miami tonight. There will be a small number of fans there because Miami and the state of Florida do allow fans at their games. So we got that. But let's talk a little bit about this matchup in general. There. So, for reasons other than Dabo, let's preface this now. Are you happy that it isn't Clemson, Alabama this year? Of course, because when the final rankings were revealed, when the semifinal matchups were shown, I think everybody except for Ohio State fans really was saying it's going to be Clemson-Bama part whatever, part five, part six at this point. So I'm happy that Ohio State was able to upend Clemson in that semifinal and give us some a, a little bit of uh, new juice. Obviously, these are some of the same programs that we see at the top year in and year out. So just shuffling the matchups, really not shuffling the names, but... Uh, Dabo aside, like I, we have said our piece about him throughout the season. Uh, Dabo aside, I am definitely happy to see a little different matchup tonight. Same. It's it's like you said, it's refreshing, but totally not new in yeah. any way, shape, or form because Ohio State is there constantly. So that's nice to see that. But I, I, I think I am actually satisfied with this matchup just because the way Ohio State won that game against Clemson, they really throttled them in that forty-nine to twenty-eight win in the Sugar Bowl. So that was refreshing to see there, too. So uh, I think this is the right matchup that we could have gotten because I don't know if I don't know if Clemson would have brought in that juice that Ohio State's going to be bringing into this week. I don't think so. No. I mean, Ohio State, you saw they played with a, a fire in that semifinal from being I'm just going to guess that it was from being disrespected all, all year long only playing six games, the national media, coaches, everybody else saying that this was a completely fraud team. They shouldn't be here. So they have laid that narrative to rest. They came out strong in the semifinal game, and I completely expect them to come out with that same energy tonight. And it didn't help that they lost that semifinal the previous season yep. to Clemson. So, I mean, this was that was just icing on the cake that they were able to get that rematch in the semifinal and almost kind of what the committee may have wanted there but it's so poetic exactly it's it's like it's all staged or something (laughs) (laughs) it's like the wwe except maybe a little bit better (laughs) (laughs) but let's get a little bit into about these players i mean Devontae smith he's the heisman and the heisman that feels kind of like no one's talking about Mm. really like around because like if it let's be honest honest if it was trevor lawrence if it was mac jones if it was justin fields one of the quarterbacks yeah this guy would be paraded around, talked about all the time, but maybe it's because it's COVID times and they're not able to go on all these TV stations a lot that they're not getting all the attention that they would. Is is that does it feel weird in any way, shape, or form? Like, but like it, but he is the Heisman. It's weird. 
It does feel that way, yeah. And I mean, even leading up to the announcement, when we had our five finalists, or however many, I think it was five, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hear anything about the the Heisman Awards announcement show leading up to leading up to it on that same day. It was just like seven o'clock or eight o'clock whenever it came on. I saw saw stuff on my Twitter, and I was like, oh yeah, that is happening today. So maybe the people behind the scenes knew Devonte Smith was winning. I mean, obviously they did, and for that reason, they kind of kept the narratives down a little bit. I feel like it is easier to sort of craft those narratives about a Heisman quarterback than a Heisman wide receiver. So maybe the creative minds at ESPN or these other outlets just ran out of juice. They didn't. They couldn't say anything about Devontae other than he's really good. So I, it's weird, definitely. I think some of the lack of media appearances that players were able to make did play a part in that. But I feel like part of it is also just position-based. Mm-hmm. Because with, that, with it being a quarterback, usually, it's easy to say, oh, well, he led this great drive yeah. to beat whoever in a rivalry game to secure this win and keep them as the number one ranked team in the nation. But with the wide receiver, it's like you had one or two plays here and there on like on that drive that that quarterback would have had. So obviously it's tough to kind of craft those narratives, like you said, and really say this guy did this, this and that and really lifted his team up. But because the wide receiver, it's honestly more of that individual based position where the quarterback kind of feeds everyone. The wide receiver just gets fed usually. So it's. It's. I think it's refreshing personally to see a wide receiver win it because it's always just been run or quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Maybe a running back, quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So it's it's nice to see that, and I think hopefully that does kind of change the committee's mind going forward. That hey, maybe a defensive player could win this every now and then. Yeah, and I mean it's sort of the same issue that you see in the NFL. Like I've seen people raise the issue. I think this past week that there should be a quarterback specific award, and then a non quarterback should get the MVP award because people are prognosticating that Rodgers is going to Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP and offensive player of the year. They didn't really think that that was fair. So, like give some more recognition to other positions on the field because there's 10 other guys on offense alone that impact the, the course of a game. Yeah, cuz we're not going to give the offensive player of the year in the NFL to a guy that ran for 2000 yards cuz that would be that would just be ridiculous. Yeah. Let's not let's not do that. Let's give no. a double award to Aaron Rodgers, but that's not the fact we're still talking about college football here, but in this game, what matchup are you specifically looking for, whether it be a position group or one player on one player? Um, there was, I, I keep saying this, there, there was an Ohio State defensive back who claimed that he wanted to play against uh, Devontae Smith. This was after Smith won the Heisman. Uh, obviously, like I say this all the time, his name is slipping my mind right now, but I, I saw that on Twitter. I didn't bother to look too much into it, but just having the gall to call out the the Heisman winner immediately after he won the Heisman and say, I want that dude in the national championship for all the marbles. That's really interesting to me. I, I, I love the gall, and I, I will be looking at that matchup once I've learned the guy's name <laughs> all night. I, res- I respect that because that's something that I would look forward to. I didn't hear that quote coming out there, actually, but the one that I think I'm looking most forward to is Najee Harris against the Ohio yeah. State uh, rush or defensive line because – Ohio State did a great job of stopping NTN in that semifinal, and they really did a good job of also getting that pressure on Trevor Lawrence. But if they can do what they did to Travis NTN, Najee Harris isn't going to look like the same player that he has looked like all year. I don't. I I'll put my money. I'll put money on it right now. Najee Harris doesn't hurdle a guy tonight, and no. not like he did no. to Ohio State I, or to Notre Dame. I guarantee you, these Ohio State guys are like. We are not going to get embarrassed like that guy just did on national television. I want to hit him as hard as I can and put him on his back. So 
this is that's going to be the position matchup and slash player matchup that I'm looking most forward to. Is there any is there anything else that possibly could make a big effect in this game that we aren't really considering or isn't maybe at the forefront of our minds? Uh, definitely the availability of Jalen Waddle. He was Bama's number one receiver before he went down, and Devontae Smith kind of took over that role from him. Uh, I'm still looking to see, because they said he would be a game-time decision. It is a little over half an hour before the game is set to start, so I don't think anything has come out about his status right now. He has been obviously dealing with that ankle injury since early in the season, uh, but he is in line to play tonight. I saw that he was practicing, but still favoring that ankle a little bit, so nothing really solid there. But obviously, adding another dynamic receiver to that already incredible passing attack from Bama would just... I, I think it would be too much for Ohio State to overcome. I... I get that, but I as a, here I found actually a uh, quote from Saban on uh, Waddle from 6:30 p.m. Mm. So he said, uh, "quote I think uh, how we use him will be lim- on a limited basis if he can play." Saban said. So it's going to be a game, really game time decision for him tonight. But personally, if I'm Coach Saban or if I'm any of the players, I don't I don't know if I would want to be coming back this yeah. early to play. I mean. Grant, I get it. It's a national title game. We rip on enough people rip on players for sitting out these games, but you got hurt earlier in the year, man. Like, don't risk it right now. I mean, you are could be possibly challenged, like throwing a millions of dollars out the window by doing this because he's still a projected first round pick yeah. even with that injury. So, I, I, I understand, and that will be a huge problem for Ohio State if they can throw both of those guys on opposite ends of the field or even right next to each other, mm-hmm. but. It, the injury, the yeah. the the risk value is high, high, high right now. I completely agree, and it, it's sorry. You you look at some of these guys that are healthy all season, and they sit out bowl games for business decisions because they are projected to be drafted pretty high in the NFL draft. So it, it's sort of a similar issue here, or not a similar issue at all, actually. Uh, I don't know what happened in my mind there, because Jalen Waddle's been dealing with this injury. So while it is a super important game, a lot more important than even a New Year's Six that some players might opt out of for, obviously, business decisions. Uh, while it is a super important game, I think it's in his best interest to sit this one out. If if that ankle is still giving him problems, like reports are saying, then don't chance anything because, like you said, he is projected as a first-round pick. There's a lot of wide receiver needy teams in this draft, so while, while his uh, absence may end up being the difference in this game, I, I think he can go to bed tonight, regardless uh, of the outcome, saying if he sits out, he made the right decision. Speaking of another guy who had some injury issues recently, Justin Fields, Ohio State yeah. quarterback. We've done enough talk on these Alabama players, but let's talk a little bit about some of the Ohio State guys because Justin Fields took a nasty shot from Cle- uh, by Clemson defender uh, James Skalski. I believe it's yep. James, but I know it's Skalski. But hit a nasty hit just on his uh, on his left side rib case, or his right side ribs, kind of yes. like hip area. So he came out of the game for a little bit, one play to be exact, and then came back out and lit up the Clemson Tigers defense for the rest of the night without really running a lot. So for this game, how risky do you think Ryan Day in this offense will really get with maybe challenging uh, Justin Fields to run the ball, or is he just going to be a simple pocket passer? I don't think he's just going to be a simple pocket passer because, I mean, he was able to uh, to have a dynamic game. Obviously, you said his, his rushing attack was a little limited in the second half, but given 11 or so days, 11 days to kind of recuperate, 
uh, get healed up from that hit because it was a nasty hit. It made me shudder when I first saw it. Uh, obviously, he would be locked down for that second half against Clemson, but given some time to recover, I think that they are going to go all out and try and win this national championship by any means necessary tonight. Yeah, and from the updates that I've seen, it sounds like Fields had a good week of practice. Yeah. He's feeling good in the sense that he hasn't really been hit like he got hit by Skalski in that semifinal. <laughs> but uh, I I think it's I if I'm Ryan Day, I'm playing a little bit more conservative with him okay. on that run game just because I don't want... I don't want him to get hit again because these Alabama players, I mean, just like Clemson, they can hit hard yes. because these are grown men playing pretty much a child's game, literally, in the amateur sense. Those are some grass-fed boys. Yeah, exactly. So it's if you if he gets put in that position again and if he takes that run maybe, like let's say in the second quarter, gets hit, you got to go to the backup for maybe that rest of that game because who says that Fields is going to be able to get back on that horse again and ride the rest of that game out? So I... I'm playing a little bit more conservative, maybe a few runs here and there. Maybe just tell them, hey, I'm not giving you designed runs, yeah. but if you see something and you know you can get down a slide or out of bounds, take it, because I think that's the only way I would play it. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And maybe in the same line as with Jalen Waddle, there are some handshakes behind the scenes. Like Everybody knows that Justin Fields is either quarterback two or three in this draft, depending on who you ask. Uh, could be ahead of or behind Zach Wilson, but... Maybe there's some discussion like, hey, we don't want to tank your draft stock. We know this national championship is important to us, but we're going to lean on your talents through the passing game, and we're not going to put you in any precarious situations where you can get hurt and potentially mess up your entire career. So there could be those agreements behind closed doors, but I I am still of the opinion that Ohio State's going to just bring the kitchen sink to try and beat Alabama here. Well, let's do some predictions because you're starting to sound like you're giving a little bit now. Who is going to be the MVP of this game? The MVP, I would say, is Mac Jones. And it's it's really narrative-based. I, I, I am, after all that Ohio State buildup, mm-hmm. I'm picking out Alabama to win this game. I'm not going to give a score, but I, I do think it'll be a one-score game. Um, I just think that Mac Jones is going to get the recognition that he was sort of uh, shorted in the Heisman voting. Uh, didn't win the award there, but he's going to be able to pick apart this Ohio State defense to the best of his ability and uh, get Bama what what feels like their millionth title in as many years. This is a tough one for this MVP and just for the winner overall because, I mean, this I really can see this game going either way, and ESPN does not agree with that because they are giving Ohio State a 37.5% chance of winning. That is egregious. I know, and the spread is now at plus nine Buckeyes. So, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that might be it this tonight <laughs> here, but... I, I don't know. I like, I mean, maybe that's saying something, the way that the spreads and these numbers are moving, that maybe Justin Fields isn't 100%, and maybe he's just been kind of lying straight to our faces. Sebastian, what do you got? You guys don't think that if Devontae Smith gets fed, like, I don't know, runs for 150 and, and gets three tonight and has, like, a lights-out night, you don't think that's an MVP-worthy performance? I mean, that, that's well, an MVP-worthy performance. I just don't see it happening. What what if Jalen Waddle comes in and was a, is able to get the game winning touchdown, but Mac Jones throws for four touchdowns? Do I they think, give it to Waddle? I think you still give it to Mac Jones because sure he's he's the hero at the last second, mm-hmm. but you look at the whole body of work over sixty minutes. I think you have to give it to Mac Jones there. That's fair, Sebastian. Do you have any predictions, whether it be MVP winner of this one tonight? No, I don't think so. Actually, um, I I, I want to say. I don't really want to give my prediction if I if I think it's really going to be chalk. Mm-hmm. Um, no, give, let's give it. Like uh, you guys were talking about, like matchups that you really want to see earlier mm-hmm. into yeah. the show. And I was thinking, uh, honestly, I'd like to see, um, you know, Justin Fields against the, the Alabama defensive line. 
Like, if they can actually, you know, beat out the Ohio State offensive line, which is really good, like one of the best in the country, um, then I, I think you have big problems because even though he had, you know, the performance of a lifetime last week, you don't repeat performances of a lifetime uh, very often. I'm sorry, it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Two weeks ago, what, yeah. yeah, well, yeah no, was, we all we know what we all know what you're saying. I, now, I, I blinked and it was it went from New Year's Day to January 11th. Yeah, so. it really is moving quick. But yeah, I that's yeah, obviously that's going to be a great one to watch out for. I think this game is just going to be really good. I don't yeah. I don't believe that spread one bit right now. That's just a bit too much for me at this moment. But I I'm going to say Justin Fields is the MVP of this game. Okay, and that kind of leads you to believe my pick is the Buckeyes and. I know I'm going against what everyone's saying. I mean, maybe we'll get a few of the guys on ESPN and whatnot. They'll flash the thing after the, or once they're all done with their predictions. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be an all-Alabama board from them and yeah. from others, but I don't know. I think Ohio State has enough to keep it around. I think they are really juiced up about this game. Obviously, how can you not? It's a national championship game. Yeah, it's hard not to feel excited there, and I don't think it's not going to be competitive. Or I should say I think it's going to be competitive. No double negatives, but... I just do think that chalk is what's going to come to fruition, as much as I hate to say it. I would like a more interesting outcome. I would like for Ohio State to sort of be, come out on top like the underdogs they were in 2014, the first edition of the, the CFP. But I, I think this is where the uh, the seven or eight game honeymoon falls short. we got to remember that most, if not basically all, uh, college football playoff games, championship or just play, semifinals, have been like blowouts not a lot of them have been close i don't think any final has been a one score game um you know uh, what we can i think the last one was the clemson deshaun watson game where he threw to renfro i think that was the last one in tampa bay yeah so that was oh man if it's the tampa one that was four years ago at this point so we've had four years of pretty straightforward affairs when it comes to the final um so i I think you can expect that out of alabama um I I yeah I think you're I think you're right uh, you got a point there because this t- typically it has not gone that way but hey you got to break that streak Ultimately, up every now and then be, I think it's going to be a good game yeah I mean the the final in one way or the no- another depending on how you look at it has delivered I feel like they've delivered on being you know at least amazing shows uh, the only thing that hadn't delivered was about two years ago when Imagine Dragons performed as the halftime hey, show. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, no Imagine Dragons slander on this show. We've talked about this. <laughs> no. But, Not unwarranted. Any, okay. any opportunity to slander Imagine Dragons is an opportunity I'm going to take. Man, I wish I could transition into the break with some Imagine Dragons, but I cannot, but I can. You middle school, you can't. No, I cannot, but I can transition us into the break here because we got some NFL and some NBA talk coming up in the second half. So we got Al- or Ohio State for me, Austin's taking Bama. Sebastian, it sounds like you're taking the Tide here. So we got two Tides, one Buckeye here. And we'll we'll be back in just a minute. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Footsteps they follow. Mother's death, they followed suit and healed the pain off the walls. Behind a metal desk, inside a modern mausoleum, you have found your calling, calling for fall. 
Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and as always, I'm joined by Austin Reynolds and Sebastian Angel Riano. We left off the show talking about a little bit of college football playoff national championship game. I took the Buckeyes. Uh, Austin and Sebastian both are rolling with the tide. So that's where we got for this national title game. But we had a bunch of really good football this past weekend in the Super Wild Card Weekend. Super. That's right, Super Wild Card Weekend. I wish we had a soundboard and I could elongate that super. But we had a lot. Of, I thought it was a lot of good games this weekend. I mean, we had four out of six of them were uh, away teams winning. And last year we had three out of four away teams winning, which was just it's just been weird for the past two years in that Wild Card round. That's I guess why they call it wild. But let's start off with the Bills and Colts because that was a that game, a lot of people thought was going to be a bit, a bit not as good as it turned out to be, but I thought it was a pretty darn good game. Bills won 27-24. Phillip Rivers just couldn't get it done in that last minute there with the Hail Mary. The noodle arm kind of came out. Yeah, you say this was one of the better games of the weekend. This might have been my favorite, honestly. Just seeing the, the old guard, Phillip Rivers, duel the new guard and Josh Allen. They both had really good performances, aside from the... Uh, the last drive by Philip Rivers, obviously, some some calls go the Colts' way that really shouldn't have, and then uh, the hail mary attempt was obviously never going to make it to the end zone with his his arm, his age. But uh, the rest of the game was really fun to watch. Uh, there were some coaching decisions that people kind of harped on. Uh, the decision by Frank Reich to go for the points and not or the, to go for the touchdown, not take the points with the field goal at the end of the first half. I mean, I can excuse that because even though the, the Colts ended up losing by three. Three points were left on the field when Rodrigo Blankenship doinked like a 33-yard field goal. So I don't pin all the blame for this loss on Frank Reich and his aggressive coaching like some people do. Because, I mean, if if the Colts get that field goal there, the rest of the game could be entirely different. Just based on them having three more points than they did at that point in time. So really fun game. Uh, I think the Colts are 
a dynamic quarterback away from being a, a real Super Bowl contender because Frank Reich's an excellent coach. They have an emerging defense. Uh, they have threats Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor at wide receiver and running back. They're really well equipped to compete in the AFC for years to come. I just don't think one more year of Phillip Rivers is going to do them any good. Is that dynamic slash elite quarterback Carson Wentz? It could don't, be. There's, there's been rumors. Why, why are you like this? <laughs> <laughs> because wh- who else are they going to go for? I mean, they could trade for just— Who else just, to go they can, for they can other trade. than like a, a like just disinflated arm meme QB again? Come on. Man. I mean, hey, the guy was an MVP candidate in 2017. Like, so, I mean, what do you, I mean, you're right, but like he's this like is definitely not 2017 anymore. No. No, uh, true, but still, I mean, the guy was pretty good up until really this season. You want a yeah. guy who actually I'm I'm not going to pivot this into the next segment, but you know, you want a guy who actually, you know, made a case for a starting QB job last Saturday? Oh, Heineke. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Maybe maybe, maybe now, Heineke there's is a the guy answer. who could be like, okay, well, we can stick with this guy for maybe 3 or 4 years, make a run. And if it doesn't work, well, we've got a we've got the draft. But we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Heineke once we get to your Bucks in that game there. But let's continue with this Bills talk because they really got some issues, like you said, that quarterback issue. Like Philip Rivers, in my opinion, I agree, should retire right now. It, this is it, just like Big Ben. It's it's yeah. over, end of the road. Let's call it where it is. He had a great career, but it's just not conducive to the Colts to keep him on staff and. Say, hey, man, we trust you, and you're our guy when you can't throw a 50-yard Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. Like, I was hoping that the Colts—I was anticipating the Colts bringing Jacoby Brissett into that last throw. I was where—I saw Rivers come. I was like, what? Why Why that? Like, that's not the play there. It's Brissett. Brissett's your long ball guy. Yeah, that's that's really would have been the better play call because, I mean, we all saw it. We all knew that ball was not going to get to the end zone, and I think it got batted down like five, seven yards out of the end zone. So yeah. the, the Bills were perfectly equipped for that. They knew that the, the, the Colts' chances of even getting close were pretty slim to none. So the, the rest of the game was really great, just seeing Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs hook up. I think it was twice in this game. Uh, just it, it was once, but uh, two, two, two touchdowns from Allen. 324 yards from him on the day uh this kid is insane more insane than uh than he was last year the 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 better kind of insane he's making some great throws right now and it's just it's a it's amazing to see that happen because everyone was just dogging him for the past couple seasons like oh he's a bust he's this that and the other but he's proven everyone wrong and he's looking really good doing it and i think it's a lot because of stefan diggs getting involved in this because you get a real playmaker and a real wide receiver who you can throw deep to which is Allen's play right now yeah it really makes him look a whole lot better. I mean, that it's it's 180 degrees of what he was last season. But I we got to keep it moving here. We got a lot of NFL games to go through. Let's keep it moving here. So we got the Cam Akers game. The L.A. Rams take down the Seattle Seahawks 30 to 20 in Seattle. Cam Akers had over he had 440 or 142. Wow, 442 would be amazing. But 142 yards total yards in just the first half along with a touchdown there. He finished with over 170 total yards in that game there. So really great afternoon for Cam Akers. Really showed why he is who he is and why we all thought he was going to be a great running back in the NFL. So what were your thoughts from this game, and why is Russell Wilson not the MVP? I mean, the the past really half of the season. Sebastian, did you want to say something? Uh, Well, no, you can go ahead. Don't worry about it. I mean, the past half of the season would let you know that Russell Wilson's not the MVP. Ever since he he coined the let let Russ cook term. Mr. Uh, Unlimited. (laughs) 
it's it's not been really smooth sailing ever since then. Uh, the offense has been really flat. The defense, I mean, it, it stepped up in recent weeks, just not enough against the Rams, who were minus really a quarterback and a half. I, I wouldn't count Jared Goff as a full quarterback at this point in time. But Cam Akers, I mean, people he- heading into the 2020 draft, people were really discounting him because he played against or he played behind a patchwork offensive line. I know he was mocked like third, fourth round, whatever. So I personally was shocked to see the Rams take him as early as they did. But it's games like this that tell you why. Because despite the bad offensive lines that he played behind at Florida State, he still put up astronomical numbers. He was still the de de facto bell cow back at FSU. And he's in perfect position, uh, despite not getting a uh, a ton of touches earlier in the year, he's in perfect position to sort of replicate that role at the higher level. So super happy for him. Uh, you, you said he had over 170 total yards, right? Mm-hmm. That's over half of the Rams' total offense because they finished with 333 yards. So, I mean, when you're down, uh, when your emergency starter really goes down and you have to put in your emergency backup, who was the starter before, um, leaning on Cam Akers is the way to go. I, I don't know if it'll be uh, that easy to replicate against the Packers, who are a much more complete team, I would think, with an actual MVP candidate in Aaron Rodgers, but... Granted, Cam Akers isn't going to play against Rodgers, but uh, I'm, I'm super excited to see this sort of clash of styles this weekend. Exactly. Sebastian, what did you have to say? Uh, I paid attention to pretty much all three of these games, the, the, this kind of series um, over the year. And um, the first game, I kind of understood what would define the series because it was a kind of like a, a slow, like drawn-out ordeal. Uh, it's a divisional rivalry that it, uh, where defense has been proven to be gospel. Because that secondary that the Rams have has locked down considerably. You know, the WR1 and the WR2 uh, targets uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Uh, Week in and week out. Jalen Ramsey put on, like, a defensive player of the year uh, level performance in all three games. Even the one that the Rams lost um, right at the tail end of the season. Um, I'm so happy for Cam Akers, honestly. We knew, like like you said, Austin. We knew what he was capable of here. He shined in on a, you know, in a very very ugly looking Florida State football team, and uh, we knew this guy's gonna be great wherever he lands. He's gonna be good, and he he especially in this back half of the season, once he's gotten more and more and more snaps, you're really seeing him shine, especially on a stage as big as a game like this, which is which was billed. At, I think this game was billed as probably the most competitive game of this um, of this super wild card weekend. And I'm, yeah. I'm just happy. I'm thrilled to see him shine. It was a lot of fun. I'm really disappointed that John Wolford got hurt when yeah. he didn't. Hopefully he's doing all right because I know he took a big hit to the head uh, in that first quarter. But he looked, I mean, for that first little bit that he was in for, they looked good and they were moving the ball well. And then when Goff came in, it just like was, they just hit the brakes on all their offense. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable because he is still dealing with some uh, some side effects of having thumb surgery. It was mm-hmm. two weeks ago at the time of the game, so can't really expect too much out of him other than just being a straight-up game manager, which is honestly par for the course for Jared Goff, in my opinion. Uh, hopefully he's uh, more in tune to play next weekend because, I mean, John Walford, chances are obviously slim to none that he plays. He took a nasty hit, had to go to the hospital. I did hear that he was uh, in the locker room smiling after the game. I just don't know if he was smiling because he was high on painkillers or what, but I I don't think he's going to be in any position to play football in the divisional round. So maybe Goff is able to put on a better show this coming weekend, but if not, then 
you know the guy that can. Two words, Blake Bortles. Oh, the that, that's that's not he, who I was thinking of. What? He's the I back. I was thinking of Cam Akers. Oh, I was thinking Blake <laughs> Bortles is the backup. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the perfect lead-in because Blake Bortles is like a, a really memed-on quarterback. But, I mean, we were just talking about how Cam Akers is so dominant. But I'm thinking the actual backup on the oh team. Blake Bortles is the backup, man. The boat <laughs> is in the building. He's there. He's ready to play. He's saying, McVay, I know the system. I know what to do. I can take down a big-name quarterback because I've done it before in the playoffs. Sure. He took down Big Ben. Did. Big Ben threw for a million yards in that game, but Blake Bortles still overcame. Granted, he had a really good defense to help him that one, but that's the not boat. the fact. But let's move on. We still got, some, uh, we still got like, what was it, four more games four to go more, through. Yeah. We got the Bucks and the football team. Bucks win 31-23, the Taylor Heineke game. Sebastian, thoughts? I want to give shout-outs to two guys. First of all, I want to give um, my shout-outs to Rob Gronkowski. Uh, only one target, not a very uh, hot night for him, but he did exactly what he needed to. He played. Um, he was a blocking tight end tonight, or Saturday night rather, and uh, he helped shut down Chase Young. That's a, that's extremely difficult to do. Uh, people are waving this game away. It's like, oh man, you're playing with a, like a you're playing against a backup QB. Um, kind of a Mickey Mouse win for the Bucks, especially <laughs> because they didn't look like they were gonna blow out Washington in Washington on FedEx Field. It's like no. That, that defense is legit. That defense is one of the, I'd say, the top three in the country. That D-line um, is crazy good. That, like, specifically looking at that D-line, best in the league. Absolutely. And uh, I think they only gave up, uh, well, I want to say two sacks. I want to say either one or two sacks. Um, and that is incredibly difficult to to do, to contain contain Washington like that. My um, second uh, shout-out, obviously, Taylor Heineke. Um, I, as, as, a, as a fan... I was terrified when he sunk that beautiful, perfect pass into the back uh, pocket of the end zone. That was legitimately one of the best passes I've ever seen, at least one of the, my passes of the year, I would say. Um, also, dude, that, ru- that run from him, too, that he was able to put, I did not think he was going to get to the pile on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was super impressive. I mean, he looked he looked very serviceable. He and looked like, he didn't look like a, I, I, I said earlier that he, he's a starter. He, he's got starter-level talent. Um, but honestly, he doesn't look just like that. He looks like a starter level for a good team. So my here's where I'm going to strike an issue with that statement there is because this is his first game yes, in the NFL. Yes. The playbook is not yet out on the kid. Give him a couple games. There's a reason. I'm not, not to knock the guy, but there's a reason why he went to Old Dominion and a reason why he played in the XFL, the now defunct F- XFL, for my St. Louis Battlehawks. But he he is going. he's a good quarterback. He looks good in that game, but... I he's back he's back up for life now back he's got a, he's got a job for the rest of his life he's he's going to make tens of mil- you're you're absolutely correct uh, on both terms I want to point out another NFC East quarterback uh, Daniel Jones against the Buccaneers uh, last year I believe that was his coming out party was it last year or two years ago last I think it was 2019 year. right yeah yeah that would have been last year 2019 okay. or last season last NFL right. season uh, Bucks Giants at home for the Bucks um, Daniel Jones comes in for. Uh, Eli Manning and a kind of symbolic passing of the torch game, uh, basically billed as Eli Manning two and completely smokes the Bucks uh, in both the passing game and the running game, uh, re- recalling the uh, the rush for the touchdown at the tail end of that game to force it to overtime. Um, it's something that the Bucks have kind of been cursed with, you know, uh, QB young QB untested debuts and smokes them. One of the reasons why I was worried that this could be a Bucks life moment, but it wasn't. Um, but, they, but, they, but you're right. Like you should, 
uh, even though I'm, I'm really riding high on the guy and thinking that he could be a starter because he looked like a starter last, uh, on Saturday night. Um, he, he definitely at least has locked in that, that backup position for life. I think he could do quasi well. Who knows what he, what he has to deal with when he deals with a defense that actually will... Because he, he was pre- but he was pressured that night. He he was, and he like did. The Bucks didn't didn't like rush him. Basically, he did look good, but he was very good at also kind of looking down his receivers a lot more often than not. So I mean, that's just kind of one of those things that you can get away with in your first game when not too many people know about you. Because when you go to Old Dominion, no one's. Let's be honest. No one has Dominion no, tape on it on no, Dan. Yes, exactly. No, like Tom Brady didn't know the guy's name. Before. He'd probably never heard of his name before he heard the starting lineups be announced at the game that <laughs> night. Because, I mean, did you? I mean, it's the how it all went. We all kind of laughed and said, "Oh, here we go. Here comes the football yeah. team trotting out Taylor Heineken coming in to play the uh, <laughs> the Buccaneers." And the greatest quarterback of all time. But, I mean, he showed up and he played well. So, I mean, credit to him. This was a good game by the football team. Obviously, uh, weird season, 7-10, and 10, still made the playoffs. Odd, 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 odd. But the Buccaneers, they got the New Orleans Saints coming up next. But we'll get to predictions in just a moment here. We got a lot more games to kind of run through still. We got the Sunday games now. We're at the Ravens and the Titans. The Titans came out the gate hot. First two possessions, got 10 points. But... They really fell flat the rest of the game. After those first two drives, they didn't score again until the fourth quarter when they just picked up a field goal. I mean, Lamar Jackson looked good, but would you say this is more on Lamar winning this game, or was this the defense and the Titans not being able to get the job done? I would say definitely the Ravens' defense because they stacked the box. They knew exactly what was necessary to keep the Titans from running up the score. Um, obviously it was 10 nothing pretty early on but after that like you said only managed three points the rest of the way derrick henry had 18 carries for 40 yards which is not what anybody expected from the nfl rushing leader 2,000 yards on the season first guy to do that since i think cj2k uh, chris johnson a few years back i think so like 2013 i want to say so, so I, they were both titans so maybe there's something in the water in tennessee that just produces 2,000 yard rushers but regardless i mean the ravens defense and uh their coordinator knew exactly what to do to to win this game, to keep it uh, uh, within reach for them. They worked that to perfection. Lamar Jackson didn't do a whole lot through the air, which, I mean, he never really does because he never really has to. He's able to make plays with his legs. Had 136 rushing yards and a touchdown in this game uh, on Sunday. So he was as dynamic as they needed to be. Uh, and it, it's really just taking Derrick Henry out of the equation kind of crippled the Titans' offense. You look at the two-way, or I'm looking back at the stats from the last time these teams met up in the playoffs, just specifically from that game when the Titans won 28-12 to in Baltimore when Lamar was the MVP. Lamar threw the ball close to 60 times, 59 to be exact, 31 for 59, with 365 yards, one touchdown, and one and two interceptions. He only ran the ball, he ran the ball 20 times. In this game then on Saturday, on Sunday, he only threw the ball 24 times. He stuck to his guns. He knew what he had to do to win this game. And he, granted, maybe he didn't, maybe they didn't put up as many yards, but still, he knew what he had to do to win that game. And that was just smart quarterback play and smart coaching as well on Harbaugh's end. But it, <clears throat> I really do think the MVP of this game is the Baltimore defensive line because yeah. holding Derrick Henry to 40 yards, 40 yards or whatever it was, is just crazy because. Derrick Henry's been running all over teams, putting up 200-plus yards a game, doing this, that, and the other, but 
they they were stuffing him every time, and it felt like, why are the Titans still running it up the middle, not just running play action every time and having them all crash and bite? But they were able to, They Tennessee wasn't able to adapt. Baltimore was able to adapt and make changes from game to game from the times they played them. So that's why Baltimore is the winner. It really makes me question the decision by the Falcons and other teams to interview uh, Titans offensive coordinator uh, Arthur Smith, I believe. Yeah. Not, not, not seriously, but just... This is one of those scenarios where you would want to sort of open up the playbook a little more, not just uh, running back draw up the middle. So who knows? Yeah, it really it was it was a good game though. I really did enjoy this one. That was like every I think I think I think I'm gonna say that about every game. I enjoyed yeah. watching every single game. That's just how I am about playoff football. But let's talk about what I'd call the game of the week. The game of the week on Nickelodeon. I know Jeez. many of you probably didn't watch that game, but it was on CBS Nickelodeon. I think Amazon Prime, but. That was probably the worst game on out of all the games play-wise, but the best game presentation-wise, in my opinion. Sebastian? Yeah, I got to give uh, props to the NFL for this. I was watching this uh, definitely legally and definitely not on a stream on my computer. <laughs> I was watching this on a tube TV, I promise. It was a SpongeBob TV. It was one of those big Did you have to go TVs. and like hit the TV side to make it work, like if it went a bit fuzzy? Yeah, uh, plenty of times, actually. <laughs> so I, I watched this game, and, and presentation-wise, in terms of uh, the guys that they had on call for, for commentary, uh, in terms of you know improving visual, um, the visuals for like the actual field itself, um, the, the NFL did a pretty fantastic job in trying to you know level with uh, a much younger audience. Um we always kind of clown on the NFL for being anti-fun. Yeah, no or, fun league. They're the NFL. Yeah, the yeah. no fun league. Um, or just, like, being kind of out of touch. But but this presentation, like, I, I know I'm I'm a few years, honestly, like, I'm about a dozen at this point, a few years uh, above the intended market. But there were animated segments where, where characters from Nick's shows that are on air right now, including SpongeBob and some other ones I didn't recognize, really, um, would explain concepts like what is an interception, and I know that sounds ridiculous. Come on, dude. Like, you got to know what an interception is. But some of these kids just don't watch football. I loved being told what a false start was by young Sheldon. That was oh, that no. was fun. We had that one. But okay. did you guys both watch the game entirely on Nickelodeon, or were you flipping back and forth? I was flipping back and forth. I was flipping I... back and forth from stuff that I was working on uh, that day because I didn't have work that day and um, the Nick broadcast itself. Mm. Uh, but honestly, like it, it's small stuff that I'm like, wow, that actually is pretty helpful for a kid who doesn't know what they're looking yeah. at. Um, the first down line, it's like a, it was the, a different color. The slime line, yeah, the yeah. Slime as line I called it. And then we had the slime zone. The slime zone. <laughs> it's pretty, like, those are small things that, like, well, you don't really think about that because you just take things for granted. But for, for a 12-year-old who may not be completely familiar with the sport, um, I think it's brilliant. I thought it was terrific. Like I, I, I like it. I was just one game though. I, yeah, we yes. don't need every game each week televised on Nickelodeon, but yeah. one game a year, like this playoff game, Wild Card Weekend. Give me one yeah. game on this, and like I'd love to see many other leagues do this. And the last thing I'll say is like, people, like people have been haters about this game in particular being on Nickelodeon from start until after the game <laughs> was over. Because at the beginning it was like, okay, why are we doing this on Nickelodeon? This is ridiculous. Like this isn't going to get coverage. It gets coverage. It's actually what I'd, I'd say is a success. And afterwards, there are people are, are clowning the NFL. It's like, oh, man, like you had to like put on the same, like the worst game. You had to present the worst game. It's like, first of all, you have no control That's over how good the game is. That's what made like, it the best, though, the that it was yeah. the worst game. Yeah. Because if it was any other, like if it was an exciting game, yeah, it would still be great. But 
it kept me engaged the whole time because I was waiting. What are they going to do next? Like, I want to see what wacky thing they're going to pull out of their pocket. Like, when is someone going to get slimed? Because it can happen at any moment. And sadly, it didn't happen until after Sean Payton did his press conference after the game. But, yeah, yeah, this was the perfect game that you could have had because having an unexciting game is just as exciting with with these people on this broadcast than it is with... Uh, any other group, I'd say, or with any other teams, I'd say. My one real complaint with this game was the way they handled the uh, uh, the MVP, the, no. the most valuable. Oh, player get out! Of the game. No, no, you don't. You don't know how many times so, I voted for oh. Mitchell Trubisky. I voted so many times, and that's why he won. <laughs> Bear with me for a second. So first off, the award itself. Okay, so you know the Kids' Choice Award, yeah. like Nickelodeon. That's why it was blimp. cool. It's iconic, right? It's really cool. The orange they blimp. If it, you don't know what we're talking yeah, about, it's like an orange link blimp. Uh, like even when I was a kid, and even today, I want one. Those things look really cool. Mm-hmm. Same with an ag- a piece of the aggro crag from yeah. Guts. Oh man, Whew, man, that hit yeah. me like right here. I'm exactly, my heart right yeah. Now. <laughs> um, they they for whatever reason made it like a huge big trophy. You didn't need to do that. Just give me the blimp. The blimp is cool. Yeah, the blimp is iconic. It still looks good. It looks like um, a little. Bit, it looks like a combination yeah. between the blimp, uh, the just the Kids Choice Award blimp, and the Super Bowl trophy because it yeah. had a little bit of the silver kind of riding up to the orange blimp. Yeah. But yeah, it looked yeah. great. Yeah. That game was great. I really enjoyed it. We got to talk about though. We're really riding up on t- end of time here. Oh yeah. But the game that meant really meant the most to a lot of people, and it really was cool to see this happen. The Browns took down. They got the monkey off their back. Their first playoff appearance. What since two thousand two? That's an old monkey. They've been plagued by awful football in that city for the longest period of time but they finally did they finally beat the pittsburgh steelers in a playoff game 48 to 37 they came out the gates red hot i think getting up 28 to nothing at the at the end of the first quarter i mean 28 points they got lucky with the bad snapped on the first Steeler drive and then it kept kind of snowballing out of control for the steelers as it went on but they started to make their way back but but Cleveland was able to hold on and get this win. Was there any bit of you that was rooting for the uh, Browns to blow this game? As an Atlanta fan, no, because I I, I, I kept why seeing... not? That's what gets the monkey off your back. No, that you... gets it. All the attention is away from you, and it's like, wow, they blew a twenty-eight nothing lead. I don't wish that on anybody except Atlanta Saints fans. Atlanta would have been trending. Atl- Atlanta sports find a way to to torture their I, fan base. True, it would have absolutely been trending. Yeah, I mean, I saw people saying, oh, Browns fans, you're up. Like, when the Steelers cut it to, I want to say, like, 37 or up. 35-16 or 35-23 or something like yeah, that. It, it was it, close. It, it, it was, was a like, couple scores, two like, scores. It was like a 16-point game, 15-point game at that point. And I saw people saying, oh, Browns fans, don't get too don't get too concerned. Uh, you guys are going to have a free shot to, to Kansas City next week. You're going to play an arrowhead. Don't worry. And those are the exact same things that I saw being posted on uh, online when the Falcons were playing in the Super Bowl. So I, I just did not – I like this Browns team. I really like their story this season. I just did not want them to suffer the same cruel fate that we did. Yeah, I can see that, and I respect that because you don't – because usually the saying is misery loves company, yeah. but you are saying, no, just let it stay in this city of Atlanta. We don't yeah. want this spreading like a virus. But <laughs> topical, exactly. Yes, that's what I'm here for. But Big Ben didn't look good. We said this before, like Philip Rivers, he they both should retire. Big Ben, five, 501 yards, just Six, 68 <laughs> passes. That, yeah. that might be the most I've seen in a single game. Exactly. He threw for a lot of a lot of attempts, a lot of yards because they were down. I mean, they yeah. really had no shot. They really were stupid to run the ball. But he had four touchdowns and then four interceptions. Really bad on that end. But I think we got to talk about the big play of this game. And this is going to be the last thing we talk about because we're about three minutes over right now. Yikes. But uh, the fourth and one, 
about midfield, you're, I think, in Browns territory, technically. They're, it's a 16-point game or something like that. There's about seven, nine minutes left in this game, and Tomlin decides to punt it away. Yeah. And that's it. That was the end of the game, in my opinion. That killed this game. Is there any excuse for that? I mean, what? There, there, there is none. And to, to kind of go back to the uh, Ravens and Titans game, there was a similar situation there. Titans were down, I think, 17-13 on the Ravens 40, fourth and two, and they punted away. It was like a 25-yard punt to the Ravens 15. Both of those are inexcusable because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the, the margin is a little bigger in this Browns and Steelers game, but I think there was enough time left on the clock. You still had a an outside shot at winning this game Yeah, it's... if you actually just go for it. And I think the Browns responded by a, a huge Kareem Hunt touchdown on the very next drive. Yeah, so. it, that's what Cleveland deserved – or, sorry – Pittsburgh deserved to lose this game because of the way that they coached at the end, and it really did not help. Nick Chubb, my bad. Not Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah. But still, so I think, actually, one last thing. We're going to quickly run through very quick, no explanation why, just give me the pick. Let's start with Kansas City, Cleveland, Austin. Kansas City. Sebastian. Kansas City. Kansas City. We're three on Kansas City. Buffalo, Baltimore. I'm going to go Buffalo. Baltimore. Buffalo. Two Buffalo, one Baltimore. Green Bay, Rams. Green Bay. Rams. Green Bay. Don't like the Rams. Uh, the game of the night, Sebastian, or Sebastian, <laughs> you will not, you abstain, so that's yep. one less. Uh, New Orleans, Tampa. I'm taking Tampa. I'm taking Tampa too. They, I, don't oh, don't so, do this. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sebastian, but you guys have just got the Tomahawk Talk curse. But that's all we got for this show. We'll talk to you about that game next week, and we'll see how Sebastian deals with the the nerves of Thank that game. Guys. I can't believe you did. I'm sorry, what Sebastian. Did I do to I'm that, so sorry. that was not planned. I can tell you that nope. for a fact. I expect this was a very Falcons fun. fan, but the Miami fan, come on, man. What are you doing? We we didn't make the playoffs at 10-6. <laughs> and six. Tell me that, man. But either way, we'll, talk, we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is not up next? No, never. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. See you next week.